Yes, folks, it's Thursday at 4 p.m. Central. This is Pillars of Franchising, broadcasting the secrets of success so you don't have to work for somebody else. This is Fred McMurray with my co-host, Ray Pillar. Ray, where are you today? I am in Gillette, Wyoming, and it is gorgeous out here. The weather has been perfect. It did rain a little bit on the first time, first night I arrived, but you know what? Right now, I think the rest of my stay is supposed to be sunny, and it's going to be in the mid to upper 80s, and the nights are in the 60s. I'm in heaven. What can I tell you? So when will the Pillars of Franchising Mobile Studio One be leaving Wyoming? That'll probably be either Saturday night or Sunday. And then we are going to Spearfish, South Dakota. Spearfish, South Dakota, huh? Will Are there any franchisees we can talk to in Spearfish? Uh, no, unfortunately, I did a little research, and I couldn't find anybody that we can talk to up there. But uh, it should be exciting. Uh, in Spearfish, uh, I, I drive an Integra coach, and... This morning, I was interviewed by Integra, so I'll probably be on Integra's Facebook page. That sounds exciting to me, at least. We'll have to get that posted everywhere then, so everyone can see where the Pillars of Franchising Mobile Broadcasting Studio One is. Yeah. Where in the world? And then, folks, in two weeks, we have a very special show coming up on the August 2nd. 2018. That will be our six-month anniversary, Ray. Did you ever think we'd make six months? No, I never did. To tell you the truth, Fred, I'm still having fun, though. <laughs> but uh, I never did. When you uh, discussed this idea with uh, with me, I thought, okay, yeah, we'll give this a try and see what happens. And six months, I can't believe it. It's hard to believe, to tell you the truth. Well, I'll tell you, earlier this week as I was fighting with software cables and all kinds of other garbage, um, I was kind of annoyed we had made it to six. We're going to make it six months. But I got the tech issues worked out, and we're going to get bigger, better, and a farther. By the 2nd of August, we'll have an even farther reach. And given that we blew through our one-year listen goals in three months, it's going to be a great year, Ray. It has been already. I think so. Yeah. yeah. So, so one note well, since you – now before we go, one note. Um, callers can – or listeners can call in at 323-580-5755. That's 323-580-5755. And we want to thank the Link Local Broadcast Network for hosting us. And then um, just since you told, told our listeners about the weather, um, it is beautiful here in Shell Beach. Uh, the ocean is very flat, and although we've been seeing whales all week, no whales today, Ray. No whales. Oh, how disappointing for you. <laughs> it is, but I know that makes you happy. So who's our first <laughs> guest, Ray? Well, we have J.L. Moore with us. J.L. Uh, and I started our franchise at exactly the same time uh, back in 2003. So uh, I'd like to introduce JL. Uh, Hi, our listening audience. <laughs> Glad to be Great with to you. Great to have today. you on the show. 
So has Ray so, always been this way? That's my knowledge. Hasn't changed much over the last fifteen years. Wow, dude, you always looked that you looked that old at fifteen years ago. Okay, never mind. Go ahead, Ray. There hasn't been much change, to tell you the truth. Just a little wiser. Just a little wiser. (laughs) Anyway, um, I think one of the questions I'd like to ask JL is uh, why in the world did you decide on Molly Made franchise? Well, In 2003, I got downsized out of corporate America for the third time in my 30-year career and decided needed a change and started researching franchises. And uh, some key criteria was um, did not want to work weekends and did not want to work nights. And that helped uh, kind of whittle down the pool to look at. Uh, And then after looking at a handful of franchises and doing Discovery Day, I was thoroughly impressed with Molly Maid. I thought they were very professional. Um, they had a great product to sell that was on the rise with more people, mom and dad both working, kids in too many activities, and I thought it was a viable business. Well, that sounds familiar, doesn't it, Fred? Yeah, I'm wondering, did you, like, write your bio out and give it to her and say, here, read this to get, you know, poke fun at Fred? No. <laughs> No. Okay. Last week he paid somebody to give the an, an answer he always gives about FDD. So you know, well, at least that's what I alleged. <laughs> well, you know, one of the great things about the Molly Maid franchise again is because you you have your nights and your weekends free, and I was doing a lot of activities, uh, volunteer work at my church, and I was able to continue that. I didn't have to really change my personal life. Uh, when I decided to come on board with Molly Maid, which was great. Um, and I additionally, I had both of my parents living with me at that time. And I'll tell you, being your own owner of your own business gives you a lot of flexibility to take care of your elderly family. And it's been a, a real blessing and a godsend for me. So you went for that work-life balance thing. Yeah was really so, able to, to do a better job with that instead of using my vacation time to take care of my parents uh, when emergencies came up. Uh, you know, when you own your own business, you just take two hours off and you go take, take them to the doctors or whatever you need to do, and then you're back at work later continuing what you need to do. So around here we call work-life balance anything less than 80 hours of work, but never mind. My boss is a butt <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, 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 no. yeah. Well, that's the problem. You take that two hours off, mm-hmm. and then you end up spending four more to make up for it. Yeah. <laughs> but that's but it's still it's, it's still, still it's still a balance. It's it's a balance, but you you don't have the same stress. I mean, when you're working in corporate America, which I did for thirty years, is there's always a deadline. You know, there's always a CFO who needed his quote or, you know, the new contract that I was working up. I mean, there was always a lot of pressure and you just had to get it done somehow. And, you know, with this, I get to delegate a little more and get things done and not have the same stress level. I'm, I'm just curious, Jail, did you check out any other franchises when you, when you're on your search for business? Um, we did some soft um, checking out, but I, the only discovery day that I did was with Molly Mae. Oh. And I was very impressed with it. Yeah. 
I, I often mention that on the radio show that uh, that was my experience as well. Uh, even though the day I walked in for my first Discovery Day, the lights were out on the East Coast. Oh. Yeah, I don't know if anybody remembers that still, but uh, oh. that was interesting. Wasn't that 1967? No. <laughs> no. Oh, never. <laughs> no, that was in 2002. Or, or, yeah, at the beginning of 2003. Some Well, oh, okay. sometime right. around there. Yeah. So, um, that, you know, and even then I, I felt that uh, – there was a, uh, a good vibe coming from the fa- from the franchise, even though there were only a couple of people in the office. They had to dismiss everyone because they couldn't do anything. There, were, you know, virtually no phones, no internet, no nothing. You know, so um, and you say you 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 uh, you say you experienced that same. I did. Uh, again, coming out of corporate America, I was very used to branding. I was very used to a good protocol, a business ethic. And I really felt that was all there at the home office when I went over and did my discovery day. Um, they, everybody seemed genuinely interested in the brand, in love with their brand, in love with what they were doing. And I could just feel a culture there. And that was important to me because that was the environment I came out of for 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, that was very important for me. And that definitely put a couple of check marks in the yes column yeah. uh, for myself. So um, if if you could pinpoint one thing that really turned your mind on to Molly Mae, what would that be? Hmm. Probably just the fact that I wouldn't have to work nights or weekends. That was no. critical. That was that was a two very key things in the in the search for a business. And it seemed like the purchase price in was within my financial means. Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't outrageous, but um, definitely a commitment that you would work hard to to make sure your commitment uh, held. I, I know that you and I had discussed this in the past before our uh, studio audience. Uh, basically, how did you finance your your acquisition of uh, your franchise? There are different ways to finance it, and Molly made, uh, did put us in touch with um, a company that assists us in kind of a more unique way of financing, which is through what's referred to as an ERSOP. And so um, myself and my business partner, we took our 401Ks and we created this, I'm not exactly sure what to call it, but this paper structure, it's a legal action to um, put your 401k money into a corporation and and actually the 401k owns the business not us okay so it's it's just a financial funding mechanism to use your own money right you you use your own money and then you didn't you borrow from yourself you you were borrowing money from yourself exactly and stocks issued to the to your 401k plan Mm-hmm. And in essence, they own it until you choose to buy back your stock. Right. right. And the alternative of that, of course, is just simply pulling it out of your 401k and paying the 10% Correct. penalty plus tax. Yes, that, that was, we were able to avoid that financial hit. Yeah. yeah. Correct. Mm-hmm. Then unlike a lot of uh, 
uh, small franchises, we did have to establish a C corporation instead of an S corporation. Oh. And if you're in the same business a long time, that's actually not a bad deal right. because many people will tell you that, you know, it, and like in your situation, Ray, where you've been very blessed to grow so substantially, there, there could be more benefits to being a C corporation to converting. Right. Right. But I'm not an expert in that area. I'm just sort of going from yeah. what I hear. Yeah. Neither, neither am I. Uh, but okay, I, I think so. it's good for our listeners to hear that so they know that there are options available right. to them rather than just going out and getting a loan. Go ahead, Fred. So I was going to say, since we we're talking about subchapter S's and, and C-Corps, and given that uh, no one's an expert, so did you look at an LLC corp as a, or was that not uh, an option? That was not a viable option to use our funding mechanism. Okay. We needed to be a Understand. corporation. So then follow-up question on a different topic, as Ray would say. Um, did okay. you ever feel like uh, being a woman held you back or there was uh, – uh, I don't know. What's the phrase I'm looking for, Ray? I don't know. Um but, uh, oh, I can answer this. This is, Calm down. This let me, is the let question me give you, you a second. Okay. All right. Um, my prior life to Molly Maid, I was in the um, insurance business, and that was a very Sorry. closed business. Um, basically, the only females in front of me were there because of nepotism, and I actually got in the door because of nepotism. My brother helped me get in, but then I kind of had to earn my stripes, so... I was very used to working in an environment for decades. Um, quite honestly, that would have been very happy if I had failed. And obviously, I'm a very determined young lady. And when I got to Molly Maid and the other Molly Maid owners in the greater Chicago man where I live, um, they were more interested in listening to my partner, who was male, than myself. Um, and I used to just kind of laugh. And then I would go back to my office and do what I recommended, and I would be very successful. And when Ray and I started, there were five of us that started at the same time. Only two of us survived, Ray and me. So I just typically offer opinions, Fred, and when they don't take it, I just go ahead and do what I'm going to do. And I've been very blessed to be extraordinarily successful. And see, when I do that, and when I do that, people call me a butthead. Go figure. Oh, well. So, <laughs> well, that's what you are. <laughs> well, well, I, I, I don't go back and advertise. I don't throw it in their face. I just do it. And then when they say, well, how's it going? What are you doing? And then I say it. And, you know, I, I eventually earn, earned my way on to our uh, marketing co-op, uh, you know, because I was kind of oh. tired of it not running as well as I thought it should. So the boys accepted me. So it took me about five or six years, for, in my opinion, for the boys to really accept me. But now I feel... Uh, very much an equal, which is kind of cool. So I, I think you didn't do a little dance going nanny, nanny, boo, boo, nanny, nanny, boo. You <laughs> no, didn't do that one. Like Maybe that's do, why. Doesn't get any place. No, 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 no. Well, it's, but it's you, fun you to do. Your head though, right? <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you do it silently, but it, it, it doesn't get you any place. I, I always tell people just stick with the facts and don't don't focus on the emotions. If you're going to focus on emotions, you're going to fail. Yeah. Do yeah. not focus on your emotions. Get rid of your emotions. Um, and even, may I give a tip? I mean, even even in running this business, the way I think I, one of the key factors for being successful is 
I always say, what is my problem? What, what's my problem today or this minute or this hour? What am I going to do to fix it? And then what am I going to do tomorrow so it doesn't happen again? And I think the people that fail when they try to start a business or run a business, is they don't do that last step. They, they, you know, they solve the problem. They, they identify the problem. They solve it. But then their pride or their ego gets in the way, and they don't go to the last step. And the last step is, okay, is there something I can do differently tomorrow so it doesn't happen again? And that has been my motto for my entire life. And you just, and I don't care who did what. I don't care who said what. I just want to know what's my problem, how am I going to fix it, and what am I going to do tomorrow so it doesn't happen again. Don't yell at your staff. Find a new solution and make your business better. That's right. You know, I I think I've told this to you before, but I always tell my managers, take that finger instead of pointing it outward and point it inward and say, what could I have done to make this different? You're saying that you tell your your employees to take their finger and shove it somewhere internal? No, I didn't say shove. I didn't say stick it. I said, turn it around. <laughs> you said point it inward. That's where I came from. So, on that note, folks, got questions. You're being nasty you now, call. Fred. Yes, I am. I am. <laughs> but, it's Thursday. What did uh, you say? Uh, I love Thursday. I, I, I think, you know, we, we talked about possibly the negative aspects of being a female in, in business. I'd, I'd like to ask JL, what are the positive Hold that aspects? What, how? Ray, how Ray. Oh, is Hold it, the thought. Is it time? Time? It's time, yes. yes. So, uh, do the remember, folks, and, you and can call in with questions. Think about it. You can ask afterwards. You can call in with questions at 323-580-5755. And now from a word from one of our sponsors. Ever wonder how successful business people get educated about franchise business options? The Franchise Consulting Company is a group of over 100 franchise professionals with more than 2,000 years of franchise experience. We help our clients select and investigate franchise companies. And like a realtor, our services are free of charge to you. Our fees are paid by the seller. Reach out to us to learn more and get a free copy of the Franchise MBA, the number one bestseller and highest reviewed book on Amazon in the franchise category. Our website is thefranchiseconsultingcompany.com or feel free to call us on 800-321-6072. You know, Ray, every time he says they have 2,000 years of experience, all I can think of is, wow, some of them are really old and I didn't know know they had franchises last millennium. (laughs) (laughs) So... um, to my question to JL, and, uh, and I'll actually uh, give you uh, some some of my experience on that. I I, I think with mostly uh, an all female staff, that it, it was a hindrance on my part, not being able to totally relate to my staff. At uh, at the same time, uh, there was uh, uh, how should I say, a positive aspect in that many of the things that happen within the franchise, like repairing cars and vacuum cleaners and, and you know, uh, being uh, mechanically inclined and things like that were, were a help. So I'm going to ask JL, how being a female has helped you in your franchise? Well, I think obvious. the obvious answer is 
I understand the life of a uh, female. I mean, you know, the responsibilities, um, you know, for example, one of the one of the things that I do for my staff is uh, every morning I'm always there early. Um, we have a little parking challenge with our uh, 12 company cars, and I personally move them every morning. Um, and I have things ready to go and organized for my staff because I feel, you know, they're trying to get breakfast to the kids, get the book bag, where's the homework, get your shoe, brush your teeth, we're running late for the bus. You know, they're going through all this morning drama, and, and I can relate to that. I have two elderly people living with me, and I'm going through my morning drama too. And so I want them, when they come to the office, to be, like, thrilled they're at the office. You know, in, in the winter, their car is cleaned off, it's warmed up, and I'm treating them exactly how I want to be treated. And I think over the years that has, has been a significant um, contributor to uh, the longevity of my staff, which my customers love. Uh, and it's, it's like when I do my in-home estimates, that's probably one of three questions that's almost every single estimate you're asked, am I going to get the same people? And so I think by treating my staff well and understanding that they don't have uh, life easy, um, you know, it, it just inures to everybody's benefit. And I'm pretty flexible with time off. They have to formally request it. Um, but then I work really hard to give them uh, time off, and I incentivize them to only take a part of a day instead of a full day and give some minor rewards for doing that on a pretty – regular basis, almost monthly we do that, and um, I just kind of relate to what they're going through with their personal life, um, and it's, it's been a challenge, but it's been good, too. One of the things that uh, JL does is she runs an organization out of the back of her office. I do. Can you tell us about that, JL? Yes, I'm, um, I'm very blessed to have a lot of square footage, unlike the average Molly made, uh, at a relatively good price because I'm in industrial square footage versus retail, which is a lot less money to rent. And a third of my space is donated to a church that I attend for their local food pantry. So I, um, I house the food pantry and uh, pay for the utilities. They have a walk-in refrigerator and a walk-in freezer. And we're very fortunate to serve about 60 families every Saturday for the community. So I like giving back to the community, which That's what it's I don't about. talk about that a lot, but you're right, I do do that. Mm-hmm. That's you know, actually that's, that's the giving back to the community is the fourth pillar of franchising. Yes. Um, yes. Isn't it, Ray? Yep. It is. It is. Is, and that, is the, the food is, pantry part of Miss, the Miss Molly Foundation? Are they members of the Miss Molly Foundation, or is, are they sep- is the food pantry separate? It's just a total separate thing. Um, uh, my office is located in directly across the street from the church that I attend, and it's a very large uh, multi-campus <sighs> church. Um, but I, I'm very fortunate that uh, you know I can just do that for the church, and it, and it works out perfect, you know. And we're just, and it's good because we're, we're, you know, it's open to the general public. It's not just uh, people that attend the church. It's um, supported by the Chicago Food Depository, where we get food deliveries every weekend, as well as church members donate food, as well as I donate food and stuff for them. So it's um, it's just a good feeling to give back. I I give back differently too, as I'm sure most of the Molly maids do by doing some pro bono cleaning and. 
those are typically determined by how I go into a home and how I see the environment. And you, you can't run a business on charity, but there are times that some of the situations just kind of tug at your heart and you, um, you know, offer people some assistance for a period of time. That's awesome. All right, so now let's hit the fifth pillar of franchising, which mm-hmm. is giving back to the brand. How have you seen the Molly Made brand change since you started? I think Molly Made has done an exceptionally good job of um, incorporating what's happened in our society, particularly with technology changes. Um, when Ray and I started, to get your business up and running would take you really about two to three years. And now Molly Made has lessened that to even a year. I mean, they have worked hard to be innovative, to stay up again with the times. Um, you know, I'd be a little richer if this technology had been in place 15 years ago because I had to really spend a lot more of my personal money to to make the business go, but um, and, and the Molly Made right now is in the middle of another massive um, change on uh, what we do, and I think their scheduling system is exceptionally good. It, you know, it, it's worked well for me, and I'm a problem solver, so I did my own workarounds to to survive. But most of those workarounds, Molly Made has over time been able to change. And if anybody understands, you know, change, particularly technology change, it just can't be done in a nanosecond. It takes time and testing and then you're rolling it out to 250 members or owners. Um, But I think they work very, continue to work diligently to do that, keep us up to date so we can, so our business will continue to grow. Great. Brad, what do you got to say to that? I know you have to have something to say to that. I do. I do. And, you know, I'm a kind of a technology person. And uh, uh, even talking to uh, JL today, she doesn't know that I received our password for uh, what they call the sandbox for Clio, which is our new software. Nicknamed, uh, and uh, I had a chance to play around in the sandbox, and uh, it was interesting. And I was really surprised because I'm out here amongst thousands of other people uh, in an RV park, and I was still able to get into Clio, which really surprised me. Uh, so they have done a phenomenal job in creating this software because it is highly complex because it takes in uh, all kinds of parameters from the outside, including uh, where our cars are and how long they spent at a customer site and, and things like that. And, and they actually calculate when uh, our employees will arrive at our customers. So it is um, it's an outstanding piece of software, and uh, kudos to the, the, the Molly Made team for doing that. So I got one question. When do I get to log in and, and hack around in it? <laughs> 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 August 2nd. 
I don't, I don't see that happening, Fred. Um, you know, so just don't get your panties in a bunch. <laughs> oh, don't worry. I'll get it. We both know I will, but that's okay. <laughs> so, JL, before we bring our next guest on, what would you get? What advice would you give to our listeners on uh, why they should buy a franchise and how they should go about it? Well, I think there's lots of reasons you buy a franchise. I I bought the franchise because I didn't have a lot of options and I wanted to keep working. Um, so I think just if you want to, if you have, for me, having elderly parents, it was an exceptionally good choice because it gave me so much flexibility. Um, and I think for some other owners, I see they want more time off. Um, and that does allow you that after you get things humming and running and rolling, you know, rolling out pretty good. Uh, so I, I just think it's kind of an individual thing. I think if you're not a self-starter, don't do it. I think the people that fail are they're overconfident. Um, I was blessed with my prior life of doing four different major startups for major insurance companies. So uh, while I had startup experience, I didn't have this industry experience, but that I think was significant in, in me being a driver to keep moving forward and, you know, you pick your battles. There's so much to learn in the beginning, like payroll, for example. You know, I didn't want to deal with learning how to do payroll. So I just, you know, subcontracted that out. But after, I think, year three, I was ready to take that on, and I saved a ton of money by bringing that in-house. Just take a little bit at a time. You're going to be successful. Just keep going. Just just realize you've you got to re-engineer your, yourself whenever you do any anything new. What works in the first year um, administratively may not work in the second year. Worse in the second year won't work in the third year. So you, you got to constantly be willing to examine your business and say, okay, now I've grown, what am I going to do? Uh, for example, I started out with three cars. Now I've got 15. You know how I used to do the maintenance on three cars? I had it all in my head. I don't have it in my head anymore. i got a spreadsheet. Do, do a weekly inspection of all cars. So you, you just got to be willing to change and pay attention to your business. And be definitely motivated. You have to be yeah. motivated to support success. Yeah. Because there will be a lot of things that will trip you up. And if you don't dust off your, your yep. feet and get up and, and start, you know, marching again, you know, you are doomed to failure because there's a lot of things that can trip you up. And talk to other owners. We're very blessed. Uh, oh, yeah. with having such a strong group in the Chicago area. We talk to each other. We typically meet quarterly, and we ask, well, how are you doing this? How are you doing that? And we get ideas from each other because we each have different strengths. We have different core strengths that, you know, we just and we just share with each other because if, if one Molly made successful, it, it reflects on all of us. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Did Ray pay you to say just, that? He says that no. every week. He okay. says it every week. So I'm, I'm thinking he's handing these things out to everybody. To existing uh, franchise owners, people who are already in in you know in the in a business, I, I highly highly suggest you go to the conventions and, and the, any yeah. seminars or any any anything related to the industry you're in. 
try to get involved in it because it is exceedingly and tremendously helpful because you'll learn new things. I mean, there has not been a single convention, and I've been to every single one of them, that I haven't learned something. Now, I've used most of it, and 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 some of it, you know, you, you just don't feel as applicable to your business, but it, it is amazing what you learn from other people and, and the franchise as well. Okay, so on that note, we are going to, again, thank our the Link Local Network Radio Network for our Broadcasting our show, listeners can call in at 323-580-5755. That's 323-580-5755. And now, a word from our other sponsor. Hey, franchise owners. Does the marketing that corporate provides for your franchise go far enough? Do you struggle to get local clients to call or come through your door? At Mediavine Marketing, we love working with franchises like yours to personalize and localize your marketing efforts through social media sites like Facebook or Instagram, in emails to your current and past customers, with Facebook or Google ads, and whiteboard animation videos. Contact Mediavine Marketing today at 805-265-5440 or go to mediavinemarketing.com. That's 805-265-5440. Mediavine Marketing. We know franchises and we want to help yours grow. And we're back. Well, Ray, are you ready to meet our second guest? I sure am. All right. Our second guest is Holly A. Ford, founder of the Zarian Firm International and a senior business advisor for our friend Nick Neonakis at the Franchise Consulting Company. Holly, how are you doing today? Cool. I am good. How are, how's everybody over there? I'm perfect. What can I tell you? <laughs> I don't know if I go with that one. I I I I, I wouldn't pick Gray as perfect. But. So, Holly, since you didn't get to join in with us on our earlier discussion, where are you today? Oh, I am in Cincinnati, Ohio, looking at an absolutely beautiful sunny day, and I am hiding in my office because the hawks are going crazy in the woods behind us, going after squirrels. So. It's a it's a it's an interesting uh, scene here that I'm watching. That's wow, always Ray. fun. She's we're the background to her watching hawks grab squirrels. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's life, Holly, though. <laughs> tell us about uh, Zarian. Let's let's talk about Zarian Firm International first. You founded it. Why did you found it, and what does it do? Okay, well, Zarian was founded officially about a year ago now, um, and what had happened was I was working um, as a as a sales director developer for a brand, and um, we had really taken the the resale program to another level. Um, it, it was a fantastic um, track record that that we had accomplished, and a lot of uh, a lot of franchisors as well as some brokerages had asked me and some individual brokers to consult with them, to help them create these resale packages that we had done in this one brand. Um, I started taking on some businesses and helping them um, start to market, and I had been brokering for a little while. So um, it just made sense to make the transition and and take, take something that I don't think was maybe completely done, 
um, well yet, and I think take it to the next level. I think franchise resales are are a critical component of franchising. Why would you invest in a business or invest in anything without an ROI, you know, seeing what your exit strategy is going to look like? And I saw a lot of guys that were coming out, you know, selling selling their business for, you know, less than they even invested, you know. Um, it, it was, you know, their businesses were not – um, given the attention and the valuations that that they deserved, and so um, you know, I felt that it was a really good uh, opportunity to help business owners get get more for their return, and also, um, you know, of course, it started morphing into independent businesses, and then of course, um, you know, the more the more we put these packages together, and the more we uh, take care of our buyers and sellers where um, our our buyer load is is uh, growing as we speak, and we've networked into um, a lot of uh, ind- independent brokers as well. So, uh, yeah, it's been kind of fun. <laughs> so I heard that the the um, you said talked about increasing the franchise resale value. I heard the the increase was something like nine hundred percent. Yes, it was. It was. We we had a one fellow that um, his initial investment was thirty nine nine in the company, and nine years later he sold it for one point nine five million, um, which was a four thousand seven hundred and seventy five percent ROI. And I believe they say that the average stock return um, over historic, uh, you know, historically since nineteen fifty is seven percent. Dave Ramsey, I think, says it's twelve five, but that, you know, I mean, where, where can you get that kind of return? You know, that was, um, and, and, and that's not an exception. If you look at, you know, if you look at a business, let's say they did a 300000 all in, you know, with a build out. And, you know, three years later, they've taken care of their business and, and moved it up. Maybe they have a, you know, seller discretionary earnings um, of, let's say, 125 k They can sell that. You know, again, you have to look at the parameters, but in general, they could probably get a multiplier of three for that, and you know that's three seventy-five. So three hundred in, three seventy-five out in three years. Again, you're not going to see those numbers, you know, in the market. Ray, four thousand percent increase. Wow, that is. I was going to say, I wasn't sure if that knocked you out of your chair. Yeah. You mentioned the word exit strategy, though, uh, and I was wondering, should a person have an exit strategy and why? No, absolutely. Um, you should never walk into any venture without knowing what, what you're hoping to accomplish. You know, you always have to have an outcome. I think Tony Robbins is famous for that. You know, don't worry about the how, get your outcome. Uh, well, well, the outcome when you buy a business is either, you know, to leave a legacy or, you know, to sell that business for, you know, a return. Uh, or, you know, perhaps the person is retired and just wants to, you know, piddle around a little bit. But at the end, what is he, what is his intention with the business? You know, does he, does he, you know, hand it off to his grandson, you know, or, or again, um, you know, does the business just die with him? And that, that's granddaughter. There you go. <laughs> uh, so, you know, yeah, exit strategy is, is critical when you go into a business. And I think all of the good brands out there will, will kind of, I, I believe give them just kind of an overview of what the what the what the sales are, what the resales are, and what they're getting back. 
And and I don't think anybody should buy a franchise without kind of looking at that that end game. Uh, yeah, I absolutely. So an, an exit strategy of turning your business over to your kids is considered an exit strategy. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because then that you know you, you're you're building it for again the legacy, and you know that child can then take it to the next level. Um, yeah, we see that a lot. Mm-hmm. And and what should a person be you know looking for? What are there any pitfalls or where what are the ups and the downs uh, of doing that? In other words, leaving a business to to family. Well, um, leaving it to family when when you're doing the transaction, you know, if you're selling it um, or the, you know di- diversifying it amongst family members. You, you probably want a professional to help you out with that because there's going to be a lot of emotion and things. Um, if you're just leaving it to a child or a grandchild, you know, it's basically paperwork. Um, a lot of brands still would have to meet that, you know, that, that progeny, you know, they would want to do, you know, their, their interview process because a lot of brands, you know, rightfully so have, um, you know, a right of re- first refusal. Some will exclude family members. Other brands will have a right, um, not have a right of first refusal, but they want to meet every candidate in person. So those are some of the logistics um, that you'd, you'd want to go through. Yeah, and I'm I'm asking that for personal reasons. <laughs> so, okay, I'm not sure. Yeah, and I'm sure our audience would like to know that as well. Uh, the people who are oh, yeah. listening who may be in 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 business. Um, I know that. Uh, Right now, I'm just having our, my attorneys work up uh, all the paperwork needed to, uh, you know, in, in my demise that that my family would see the business. Is that a, a wise thing to do? Awesome. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. That's that's a brilliant thing to do. Are you dying? <laughs> no, not no, yet. Becoming um, the greatest radio show host known to man and driving all around <laughs> yeah, in a super party bus. Yeah. That we call the Players of Franchising Mobile Studio One. I love it. <laughs> yeah, Fred, Fred, Fred won't let me die. Yeah, no, he says you can't. Every, everybody should come out together. I mean, that a business should, you know, for sure be in be in your will, be in your be in your mm-hmm. um, your your whole your whole legal documents. I mean, without question, I think you're doing the right thing. Mm-hmm. So in case anyone's wondering, there is a Pillars of Franchising Mobile mobile Studio 2, and that's my laptop bag. (laughs) Does it have wheels, Fred? No, you've seen me. I I don't need wheels. It goes everywhere with me. (laughs) Well, then it's not mobile. You can't steer it down the street. (laughs) You can't steer me either. We both know that. All right. Uh, talking about exit okay. strategies again. Let's get back on course here, Fred. All right. Uh, wait, wait. So, I got one question. Yeah. I got a question. I have a question. What the hell a is a big a Kahuna Award? Yeah. <laughs> that was that was fun. That was uh, that was actually at um, a brokerage. Uh, you know, I won't name the name and. Uh, you know, got to go up on stage and win the big kahuna. They played Wipeout, you know, as I got to walk up there and get the trophy. So it was uh, very interesting. Basically, it was just, um, the, you know, the massive success that the brand had, had had with those brokers. 
So was there like a million dollar prize with it or just like a little Well, I thought, you know, a, a trip to Waimea Falls, you know, and, and Honolulu would have been nice. But no, alas, it was a little glass trophy. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I would have told them what to do with it, but okay. Go ahead, Ray. Back to you. <laughs> all right, all right. Let's get back to the course here. So we're talking about exit strategies, and, of course, one of those is selling the franchise you know, outright. Right. If you don't have family or any, or another employee you want to you know, turn the business over to. So what are the pros and cons of uh, selling your franchise? Or, you know, and, and, of course, you might as well go into buying one uh, as well. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, pros and cons. If you're if you're ready to retire, if there's reasons that you want to move on, you, you really, you know, you've got some things coming up or things on the horizon that you wouldn't maybe have the attention to the business that you are, you know, at the previous level um, you had committed. At that time, you know, maybe it's time to start looking for a full-time manager to run the show or uh, consider, you know, an exit strategy of, of sales because you don't want to let that business decline before you leave. That makes it makes it difficult um, to transition. Even if that business is only declining because the owner hasn't been giving it attention, the market's still good and strong and the customer base is strong. Uh, it, it, it does, it taints that business a little bit. So you want to get out, you know, when with a, with a real deliberate plan uh, for the most part, uh, you know, the, the pros and cons of buying a resale business, you know, for those out there that are looking uh, to kind of consider their options. You know, a new franchise is fantastic, but, you know, it does take a little bit of time to build your customer base as any, you know, pull up your your, your sleeves a little bit and, and get it moving. When you have um, a business that is, you know, already moving, you've got, I, I would, I call it just kind of the five pros and cons, and they're both, they're both actually the same, you know, two sides of the same coin. So you're buying a business, you know, that is already invested in the difficult, you know, in the very costly enterprise of startup marketing, you know, and the customer acquisition. So, so that, that obviously it takes a lot less money for customer retention than it does for acquisition. So that, that first level is built for you. Um, the, you know, the, the con of that is that if they don't have a good reputation, they've got a bad product or service, they have uh, inattentive, you know, customer service, slow delivery, et cetera, that can be detrimental to the reputation. So that would be the con of it. Um, another one would be that you're investing in an established business. You know, you've got the, the systems and procedures are in place, they're honed, they're moving. Um, you know, the con of that is that, you know, you want to look at that business and make sure that, the, the you know, the systems and procedures in place are profitable. You know, I, I, I know um, – Jail was talking earlier about, you know, the, the spreadsheet of watching the vehicles. You know, she's doing an inspection on those vehicles every week, which I think is, is brilliant. And, Jail, if you ever want to sell your business, call me because I'd love to apologize for that. Um, well, yeah, yeah, but, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there you are. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, but, yeah. franchise you know, where we connect people together. <laughs> there you go. Um, but, yeah, there's, there's so much. There's so much that you really do want to look for. Um, but one another pro of it is that, you know, all of the, the job descriptions, the hiring, the negotiations, the training of the employees, all of those, those elements are complete. Um, you want to look at the problematic side of that. It, it's curable but prob- problematic. Inefficient employees you can, you know, attenuate. But 
but more concern needs to kind of in this era looking for you know that inevitable attrition rate you know so so 10 to 15 percent of those employees are likely going to go but you know uh, you know you can you can um do your best to keep that as low as possible but that that you really do need to expect that regardless um another very good pro as you know is that generally that business is generating revenue and you're walking with immediate cash flow um you, you want to look at the trend though of the profitability you know did that owner check out too early um or is that business um still continuing to grow and then i would say the last pro and con that you know i tell buyers to really really look for is that location you know you have a contract to establish location you don't have to deal with all of that the facilities the design everything is complete and it's operational and again the, the flip side of that is that maybe you've got a, a lease agreement that's too high for profitability or even a location you know that doesn't have you know good good customer um retention abilities it's you know out of, out of the way it's uh, it's a retail business that should have high traffic that, you know, they build a new road and everybody, you know, circumvents it. So you want to look at those sorts of things as well. Mm-hmm. So um, one of the things that I've heard uh, people tell me is that you should prepare your business for sale. And they recommend at least two years in advance to, uh, you know, to selling your, your, your business. You should prepare it. Any tips on that, right. on how to prepare? Yeah, um, definitely. Um, I didn't know you were going to ask that, you know, and and I and I am so glad you did because I think it's um, really important. Um, sellers should begin by doing really a preliminary evaluation of the business, okay? Without you know, without any judgment, you know, really getting in there and getting getting it pay, you know paired back. So um, I recommend sellers um, that are under $2 million in gross revenue to use the seller discretionary earnings method, which is an SGE. And um, over $2 million, you'd use EBITDA as your valuer. Uh, the reason for that is because small businesses generally run a lot of personal things through the business legally, and um, those would not be transferred to that new owner. So you want to get a real legitimate cash flow. I watch guys come in to me and, you know, they give me their EBITDA and they know what their business is worth. And I said, what's your owner's salary? And they tell me what it is. And I said, so, okay, well, that, that can actually be added back in there. You know, he's got to know what he's going to do. Now he may take it right back out in the profits, but, but yeah, you can add that back in. And then I say, so do you belong to any country clubs? What, you know, gym? Oh yeah, we're running all that through our cell phone, my kid's car, you know, (laughs) And yeah. those are all, you know, add backs that, that put it on there. So, you know, getting it valued right is good. You know, usually we'll collect, you know, P&Ls, income statements, list of assets. Um, I use replacement costs. Some people use depreciated costs, uh, list of liabilities. You know, all of those things come in. You want to make sure those books are in order. That's really the first thing. Um, and you want to think about any unique selling points of your business. You know, they can be industry specific, market specific, or your, your, you know, your own, your own methods of your, of your internal business. And those, those items are actually used in the factors that are used to create the business multipliers. Um, So there's, you know, Zarian uses 10 business multipliers and there's, you know, five levels in those and our, our buyer or our sellers will kind of, it's an interactive PDF and they just click the dot on where it is. And then, um, that that comes together to get them a, a multiplier. 
And usually in a franchise business, that multiplier runs anywhere between, uh, you know, one four, one five up to, you know, I've seen them as high as four two. Not really high in a, um, in a franchise because remember you have the royalties uh, and things that go mm-hmm. into that. So the valuation um, is usually based. Um, you can add back your your territory uh, fee as well. Um, you just need to make sure it's clearly delineated. Um, and then, mm-hmm. of course, you, know, you want to create that, you know, really good marketing package. Um, and, you know, we, we look at, we call it, you know, here, here's mm-hmm. our other coin terms. We call it the factors of distinction. <laughs> but, but really, in truth, oh, yeah. all it is, is, yeah, is, yeah, go ahead, I'm sorry. It's, so, oh, okay, it's the, it's the future results of the business, the forecasting, the, mm-hmm. the industry itself, the market. Um, you know, th- those sorts of things that really make, um, you know, a business unique. Mm-hmm. Holly, be- before we run out of time, I want to ask you, how can our, our listeners get a hold of you if they need you? Oh, um, yeah, they can contact me. Uh, my email address is holly at zarianfirm.com. Pretty easy. <laughs> And uh, they can always contact. I've got a. Uh, I'll give you my cell phone number and my business number. And business number is eight five five seven three three one three three seven. And then cell. Um, it, it used to be like one thing that you had private, but no longer. Uh, so it's five one three eight two eight. 9810. And that should be on a lot of the marketing materials. Unfortunately, I've given up on that. <laughs> <laughs> so, Fred, do we have time she for one M quick question? She said the Molly? M word. Wait, she said <laughs> the M word. Money? No, marketing. <laughs> marketing. <laughs> no, Fred, Fred, do we have time for one quick question? I can ask Holly. Well, I got one too, so go ahead. Okay, just a quick, uh, a lot of times uh, some decisions are made initially on what they people feel their business is worth. Are there any rules of thumb that for a quick, you know, so a, a person who has a business can get a, you know, a general idea of what the business is worth or, you know, a quick rule of thumb? Yeah, a, a quick, uh, that's, that is the hardest question that you could possibly ask because there's like a hundred <laughs> ways I could answer it. Uh, we do, Zarian does um, a quick method, if you will. Um, we, we actually, um, I sat down with a person that founded the UC, you know, business college, the new room here in Cincinnati. And um, I made him tutor me on everything about valuations because I'd heard what, you know, I'd taken the class, I saw everything. And then I wanted to know how to really do it. <laughs> So what we did was we created a method, um, which is seller discussionary. So, so what, what I'd say to a buyer is very, very briefly, you want to put down your gross revenue, okay? From that, you want to, sub, you want to subtract your cost of goods sold. You want to subtract your expenses, right? And then you're gonna, you've got a net number there. Um, and then you're going you're gonna to also then at that point add back your, your – um, your taxes, depreciation, and amortization. So basically you're creating an EBITDA. And after the EBITDA, you're going to add back your owner's salary and then any add backs. Yep. So those are, again, the add backs are the things that are, 
you know, not typically um, run through a business that would not transfer to the new owner, you know, um, and mm-hmm. that's, again, your car, your country club, whatever. After that, right. you want to come up with a multiplier. So you'll take a multiplier times that, and let's, you know, rule of thumb, I always say go low, and then, then make sure you can prove out those multipliers. So that's something that you probably need a little bit of background on or a little bit of backup and mm-hmm. when you have that number, let's say, you know, okay, we've got 500000 now. Okay, now after that, you have to add, you add your assets and subtract your liabilities. So it's, it's pretty simple. Um, the mistake people sometimes make is they put their assets in before they add the multiplier, and you, you can't do that. So the multiplier comes first, then you add the assets to take back the liabilities. It'll give you a ballpark range. Um, when you do assets, you want to make sure that you add the tangibles and the intangibles. Again, the intangibles are difficult to value, um, so you want to use um, a good a good method on that. You know, there's five basic categories that we use in intangibles, and um, you know, again, different people do it differently. But I do have to tell you, you know, I just uh, finished a valuation back a few months back, and it held up point for point, um, dollar for dollar in the, in the bank valuation. So, so the method seems to be pretty good, uh, so far. Well, excellent. Thank you so much. Fred, what do you got for us? Well, so on that, now we're going to have to have Holly write us a blog post for the pillars mm-hmm. of franchising website on how to value <laughs> the company, or at least the overview of the <laughs> method. So, uh, yeah, your host you there, you've been suckered into that. Yeah. Ray knew that was coming. <laughs> Ray, Ray knows how I stalk people that way. Um, the other question I've got is, have you read Nick's book? Yes, the Franchise MBA. Everybody should read it. <laughs> it's actually really well constructed. It's a great book. You know, when he says it was, it's number one, um, I, can, I can vouch for it. You know, I've got a couple of uh, brokers in training that, that I'm working with now, and honestly, I make them read two things. Um, and the first one... Well, it's not the first one. Don't tell Nick that, though. Wait, I'm on the radio. Okay, this isn't good. Uh, <laughs> the second one is Pillars of Franchising. <laughs> the first one's called It's Not About the Coffee. Uh, I don't know if you've, you've read that book. It's um, kind of a little Starbucks um, uh, buyer, so mm-hmm. that's that's a pretty good one. It's so, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll vouch for it. <laughs> yeah, let's hear the name of that book again. Uh, it's Not About the Coffee. Okay. See, I can't read that book because it's always about the coffee. Coffee has saved <laughs> innumerable, innumerable numbers of lives of people around me because I no, got I, coffee. I do a so, triple yeah. espresso every morning, so you know I can't, I can't argue with you on that one. <laughs> exactly. <sighs> wow, Ray, we've learned a lot today. Oh yeah, yeah, excellent show. All right. Well, so we, we, we want to thank. Go ahead. You know, we take need us to out, thank JL, uh-huh. and we need to uh, thank Holly Ford. Wow, fantastic show! Thank you, ladies. Thank you. Yeah, you made us old dudes, old guys, like you know, really look um, good to, or sound good today, didn't they, Ray? <laughs> no, for change. <laughs> Well, you know, well, I feedback is, is that, you know, Pete, <laughs> well, we're happy to have you because 
Otherwise, Ray and I are very boring by ourselves, aren't we, Ray? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, so, fun. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm still trying sure. to visualize your briefcase on wheels, but you know, <laughs> that's where I'm at. Yeah, well, it's one of those things of have briefcase I don't know. I think maybe you should franchise that. <laughs> oh, no, 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 no. Can't do that. No, 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 no. I got enough people on me to franchise Mediavine. We're not ready for it yet, so let me alone. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we'll just have to do it behind the back jail. Are you ready? We're gonna we're gonna franchise the the the, the media on wheels concept. <laughs> More like have coffee, we'll travel. Uh, so, folks, this is it's Thursday. Ray and I have had a great time today. Next week we'll be back. In two weeks we're gonna have a special. Uh, show because that will actually be six months of Ray and Fred making people laugh and educating them. Well, I tend to make them laugh more than Ray does. He does educational, but that's okay. So remember, listen next week at 4 o'clock Central, 5 o'clock Eastern, or 2 o'clock Pacific, whichever time zone you tend to be, or sorry, 3 o'clock Mountain, whichever one you want to be, to Pillars of Franchising. We love broadcasting the secrets of success in franchising.